1: Would you dance? I would. If I asked you to dance?
0: Depends on the style.
1: Would you run?
0: As far away as
1: I could. And never
0: look back? Mm. Would you cry? I'm crying now. If you saw me crying? That would get me started. Would you save my soul tonight? Or tomorrow. Would you tremble? I'm trembling now. If I touched your lips? Would you laugh? Oh, please tell me this. I'm sorry. Now would you die i the oh, oh, love? Hold me in your arms tonight. Let's join you. Here we go. I will be your hero, baby.
1: That's it. We sort of ruined it. One line. I think we ruined it from the first one.
0: Why moment. was the Count singing that song is what I want to know. I want to know why you picked this song. One. For- <laughs> one hero. Ha, ha, ha. Fuck
1: Rock. Why this song for Joe Hart? I forget. I don't know.
0: Dale I, Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Inspiration. Inspirational. Hero. See, everybody's hero. Love it. Why don't you welcome people to the show instead of just sitting there staring at me? Well, it was supposed to be your turn, but <laughs> no, welcome, everybody. I'm, I'm
1: doing the sponsors this oh, time. Oh, that's true. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. It is the Thoughts podcast. that are mildly acceptable today. That is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice. We mm-hmm. try and squeeze that into about a half
0: an hour, <laughs> if <right>. you're lucky. <laughs> Listen... This episode, yeah, uh, I don't know if you do this or not, do we have a sponsor? Is we that- do. Mm. It's Popeye's. Popeye's the chicken place? Can you believe it? Mm. I can.
1: When you want chicken, but they only have sides, or it's on Sunday, you're at Popeye's. Because mm-hmm. usually it'd be a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Popeye's and they've only had sides? I've
0: been to Popeye's and tried to order chicken, and they said, we only have sides. And what do you get? I got green beans and mashed potatoes because I was so hungry. I had red beans and rice. There you go. That's happened before. That's what you get. So when you are hungry, like we are, yeah, stop on down to Popeye's and grab your sides.
2: sides.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just grab whatever side you want. Thoughts at Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer yep. and their fight for finding and funding treatment options really for kids that have been told that they've run out of options. Yep. And, they're, you know, again, Cannonball Kids Cancer is amazing because... They go out there and find ways to just provide either money or, you know, some type of a uh, research program, a yep. research program to sort of keep it going. And just everything they've done, we love those guys. They are amazing. You got to go and check them out at cannonballkidscancer.org.
0: Absolutely. And listen, while you're there, why don't you <laughs> mosey on down? <laughs> you're using mosey again, Two shows in a row. I know. Why don't you, um, you know, scoot on down to, uh, Podcasts and leave yourself A five star review for your boys down There at Thoughts That Rock It's that five star review that puts us In front of the eyes of the people that we want to Listen you know this
1: is Joe Hart's episode <laughs> he's going what is going on He's an icon on your way to give a rating, just stop by and get some sides at Popeyes. That's right. Listen, we know how busy you are, and honestly, so grabbing those so little busy. moments, those nuggets, little, little like Popeyes to say, nuggets, little Popeyes nuggets, popcorn nuggets yeah, th- those are hard to come by. They <laughs> certainly are. You sides, right? They're hard to come by, which is why it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Nope, you could be, I don't know, tapping sap from a pine tree. Hey, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Maybe you're building... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was tap dancing. I didn't know it was tap, like... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's sorry, how you that's get, better. That's yeah. how you get sap out of a tree? <laughs> so you just get, did a little Irish jig. there. You gotta, for gotta step on it. Maybe you're building a safe room for the impending Civil War. Maybe
0: you're tiptoeing to the tulips. <laughs> Never gonna get me.
1: <laughs> we just want to be the half-hour even I want to be your hero. <laughs> Let's rock. Let's Our guest today is Joe Hart, who is the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie Training. Pretty much everybody knows Dale Carnegie. Uh, That's an organization whose founder pioneered the human performance movement over 100 years ago and still continues to succeed and grow uh, worldwide, really, through constant research and innovation through foundational principles. You know, first off, congrats, Joe, on the success of just being with an awesome brand, but also welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you. Great to be with you. Us too. We uh, we will definitely have Joe's bio in the show notes, and we would encourage you to go check that out. Just a couple things we thought would be cool to highlight before we jump right in. Uh, previously, Joe Hart helped build two technology-based companies. Uh, one was Info Alley, which is an mm-hmm. e learning business he eventually sold. But the other big one was Asset Health. And he was the president of that privately held tech health promotion and training company that really serves thousands of businesses and health systems globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked for a decade as a strategic partner with Dale Carnegie Training before ultimately taking on the role of president and CEO in 2015. I think they have something like over 3,000 trainers and consultants operating in 200 offices in 86 countries, which is about the same number of countries that we have our podcast show. I'm just saying it's true. A little bit of a mention there. Um, The client list at Dale Carnegie training includes more than 400 of the Fortune Global 500, literally tens of thousands of small to mid-sized organizations and over 8 million individuals across the globe. So just a little bit of transparency here. We've got a, a mutual friend, somebody who actually works on Joe's team, Mariah Sudarth, who I've known on LinkedIn for probably eight, nine years uh, and is a part of his team. We've been trying to get Joe on the show for probably a year. We've had a couple of things, including the pandemic that just sort of slowed things down. So just to have him here representing you know, an awesome, awesome company, we're so honored. So again, I know we already thanked you, but Joe, this is a, this is a real honor for us to have you on the show. So thank you again.
2: Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to being with you, and being on the show, and certainly you've got a, a terrific podcast. So i uh, you honored to be asked to be a guest.
0: Awesome. Well, this is who I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> this is the type of organization that, you know, the, all the, all the black sheep work of training and development of high performance. Like, I mean, the, the, the mold is literally Dale Carnegie. So like this, this is a dream come true. So that's awesome. Fantastic. So I think, you know, uh,
1: Joe, we do things a little bit different here. I know you've listened to a couple of the episodes. We don't do the long interview style that you might hear in other podcasts. We basically are are really going to ask you just one or two questions, and we'll just see where it goes from there. Our audience is always looking for these these nuggets of wisdom, so we're just going to leave the floor open to you. What is your thought that rocks?
0: Thoughts that rock number one.
2: So my thought that Rock uh, comes from Dale Carnegie, uh, of course, of course, and, uh, one of the most important things that he ever said that I live by, try to live by is our thoughts make us what we are. Our mental attitude is the X factor that determines our fate.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. Love it. Super, super influential. Uh, tell us more where did that uh, where did you first come across that and, and how has that sort of impacted you uh, in your journey?
2: So uh, Dale Carnegie's written a number of uh, famous books. How to Win Friends is one of the most, uh, probably the most well-known, but another one is How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And uh, in chapter 12 of that book, uh, Eight Words That Can Transform Your Life, so I was reading this actually um, about a year ago, I've, I've read this book many times over 20, 30 years, but you know, it was right in the midst of the pandemic. Things were really looking kind of uh, bad. All of our operations at this time, January, February of you know, 2020 were uh, clearly impacted. And um, I picked up this book, you know, I'm leading a global company. And um, Dale Carnegie was asked at one point, what's the biggest lesson you've ever learned? I thought, oh, my gosh, the biggest lesson that Dale Carnegie, this brilliant man, you know, uh, learned, what was it? And he said, uh, by far, the most vital lesson I've ever learned is the importance of what we think. Mm -hmm. If I knew what you think, I'd know what you are. And then he says, our thoughts make us what we are. And and he he quotes um, both Ralph Waldo Emerson, that a a person is what he thinks about all day long, and uh, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman uh, emperor, who had said, our life is what our thoughts make it. And you know, this these thoughts were just so profound to me because here we were going through the midst of a pandemic. It was a crisis situation, um, clearly a lot of fear, and I, and I was feeling it too. And it really just encouraged me to start to think about, you know, you got to take command of your thoughts. You can't let your thoughts, um, you know, bring you down. If I if I am constantly allowing allow myself to be negative or fearful, that's what's going to happen. On the other hand, and this is what happened with our, our business and with me. It was really an opportunity to, um, like I said, take command and and to to not to not to not focus on the challenges that we have. I mean, that's not what this is about. You know, there are concerns and there are worries, but it's just basically, look, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to focus on what I need to do, focus on what I can control, work together with our team. Um, But but so often, I think in life, there is so much stress and worry And and these, and especially this chapter, but the the whole book is phenomenal. And uh, our programs teach this as well. But that's that's a, a little bit of where that came from for me.
1: Yeah. And it obviously affected your life. I mean, that was a, a huge epiphany moment. Um, I would guess now that, and you were alluding to this, not only did it affect you personally, but you were able to to weave that into the your company. I would guess this concept makes its way into Dale Carnegie training, right? Part of it internally with your trainers, your teachers, but also to the clients that you serve, I would guess, right? Absolutely. it's It's a foundational idea
2: you know, the, the programs that we teach are all around, uh, emotional change. Um, and, and it, ultimately you can't change your behavior. Um, if you don't change your emotions, your attitude really is the most important part of it. And so this is something clearly the ideas of this chapter and that we're talking about right now, these aren't foreign ideas. I've been thinking about these things for decades, but what happens is we get into a crisis situation and all of a sudden, you know, that, that those thoughts can lurk around a corner just to drag you right down. So for me, you know, part of what it was is, is helping, you know, lift me up. Um, but also, as you said, th- these are things that we teach in our programs. They're, they're habits that we help people form um, so that people really can be more confident and strong and be more intentional about the way they live their lives.
1: Yeah. Boy, you're speaking language. I'm actually looking at brand because you're saying things like mm-hmm. behaviors and intentional, you know, this is right up his alley. Were you going to say something? Yeah.
0: Know. Yeah. Well, this is, you're literally right in, in my sweet spot. And so, you know, I, I love this, um, this idea. And I think that it's, it's important to sort of show how difficult this can be at times. Right. Um, I, I think we often read something like this and and think it might be easy to just uh, change our thoughts in that moment or try to curb that uh, a particular behavior. But you know the work that I do, Joe is all centered around uh, values, something I call your black sheep values, which are, is based on the fact that a black sheep's wool can't be. Died, and these black sheep values are values that no matter how much someone wants to try to influence you or change you, they won't be moved. Right, mm-hmm. just like that black sheep's wool. And so, some of the work that we do in in the black sheep world is centered around an assessment that we give, where we ask people, uh, we sort of present them with 125 commonly held personal core values, and we say, in a sort of knee jerk reaction, anyone that resonates with you, you read it, you go, gosh, that that sounds good to me. Go ahead and select that. And what we know now after thousands and thousands and thousands of people have taken this assessment, we know that the average person selects at least 30 plus of these values that say they're really important. So why I say that is and why it's important to recognize that is when you talk about our thoughts make us what we are. If you are trying to honor 30, 40, 50, 60 different things that you are telling yourself are incredibly important on a daily basis, honoring or or sort of being able to focus on these thoughts and allowing them to do good for you is incredibly difficult when you've got a swirling tornado of important distractions. And so I love this idea, and it's why it's so important for people to do the work to get down to a manageable amount of, of their non-negotiable values, right? These, what I call your flock of five. So I try to help people get to what are those five, maybe six, Non-negotiable values that you can start to center your life and decision-making process around. But if they can't get to that, um, controlling those thoughts becomes even more difficult. Is that is that sort of what you found over the years?
2: Well, I mean, very much so. And in fact, I think what you're you're talking about with these values is really true. You know, it's it's an 20 kind of thing, right? So you've got twenty yep. percent of the things that really have the highest impact. So how do we get people to focus? But but even when we're focused. I mean, all the things that happen in the day to day, our day to day lives, can can at any particular moment just cause us to steer off track. I mean, we can have a conversation with someone that just rubs us the wrong way. We could have something happen in the world or in our job or whatever, and all of a sudden we're we're, we're down and so forth. So, so, so those kinds of things, being able to, and we we talk a lot in Dale Carnegie about resilience. You know, really being able to to respond to adversity, um, and to move forward in a very strong and productive and confident way, and 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 so, number one, I mean, that, that that's a critical thing. And number two, what you're saying is absolutely important, too, because having that focus, that clarity, um, makes our intentionality far more impactful. We can do more. We can be more impactful when we're focused as opposed to when we have too many things that we're trying to manage. And frankly, those too many things we're trying to ma- manage can create stress and worry. Uh, I'll just share with you that for years I struggled with um, you know, having 10 things on the to-do list and doing nine. And the one thing I didn't get to is being, being really down about it. And it's like, yeah. well, wait a second, why not look at this in a different way and celebrate the progress that we're making instead of just, you know, focusing on the negative. So, um, but, but that's, that all comes down to how we see things, whether we've got the right attitude, the right mindset, the
0: right lens that we're looking at the world with. Yeah. Uh, it, it, go go, go, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it really I, it's, such a, it's such an important practice, and and one of the things that, you know, when I first started sort of talking to leadership groups, sort of these alpha-led leadership groups who, um, you know, make decisions first sometimes before they think through them, and uh, managing the egos in the room is a whole other scenario, but, you know, I, they spend so much time trying to be unbreakable. And, and the thing that I, that I tried to always get across is, you know, I'd use the concept of kinsuni. And, and we've talked about this before, but, but ultimately, kintsugi is an ancient Japanese philosophy and way of fixing broken pottery. And the story goes that, you know, in the, I think it was the 1400s, there was a Japanese shogun who um, had his favorite tea bowl broken. And so he sent it off to be repaired. And when it came back, it had like these ugly staples in it and it didn't look anything like what it was before. And so he was very disappointed. So he gave it to some local artisans and he said, you know, please do something with this, make it beautiful again. This is not my favorite any longer. And so rather than trying to make it look like it did before it got broken, they went out and got the most important resource they could get their hands on at that time, which was gold. And they used the gold to sort of repair the cracks. And in doing so, they did two really important things. One, they made the bowl even more valuable than before it was broken because now it's laced with gold. But secondly, they really told the history of the bowl itself. And when I work with these leadership groups, what I try to get them to understand is we spend so much time focusing on trying not to be broken. Don't, don't allow the things that are trying to break us to, to enter our lives when we should be understanding that the key to truly being unbreakable is realizing that we're already broken. And we need to focus on the most valuable resource we have, which are these values. And it's these values that are the glue that holds the brokenness together. And so when you talk about resiliency, that resonates so deeply with me because I feel like that resiliency comes from what holds our brokenness together. And when we allow ourselves to be distracted by the really important things that are out there swirling around and our thoughts start to take us down these paths that that veer us off from the destination that we want to get to, it makes it incredibly difficult. So I feel like in that way, do you find that we spend too much time trying not to be broken
2: First of all, I think it's a phenomenal example, and it's one probably that all of us can relate to. Even just going back to the story, you know, the shogun could have taken this whole situation; he could have been just distraught and devastated, immobilized, mm-hmm. angry. There's all kinds of emotions that could have shaped how he reacted and what he he did. Was he tried to get it repaired. It came back. He could have been angry and frustrated, etc. But he he found another way. And, yeah. and part of what, the way he viewed the problem was from, I think, certainly one potentially of even opportunity. So maybe he wasn't thinking, how do I make this better? But certainly he was trying to improve it, and somebody else made it better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the power of resilience. The power of resilience is to look at any kind of a situation. It could be one that we don't like. It could be an adversity. It could be something that's really, you know, uh, God forbid, you know, just, just tragic. Mm-hmm. And, and to say, you know, so, so what, what can I do with this, and how do I move forward with it? And, um, and certainly in, in that example, he was able to do that. And, and we're confronted with those types of things ourselves all the time. Yeah. Um, sometimes in small things, sometimes in big things, but the opportunity goes back to our thoughts. It goes back to how do we see this and how am I willing, am I willing to look for opportunity or am I willing just to be consumed? Am I gonna be consumed by, by crisis and, and not getting what I wanted to have here?
1: Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. I was going to, uh, actually that story of the Kinsuni actually uh, is perfect layup for what I was thinking because I, I noticed that Brent, when you were talking earlier about even the work that you do at black sheep and you were talking about the first part of the of the Carnegie quote our thoughts make us what we are my mind my eye actually when I'm looking at it written down went to the second part about the mental attitude and it's mm-hmm. it kind of does deal still with resiliency like you're saying Joe and I've just you know th- this mindset mentality and I focus a little bit more on this I leaned into a little bit more in my new upcoming book. I've always believed that we all have these personal culture shifts, these inflection points, things that happen to you. But I think the mentality, which is kind of what you were saying earlier at the top of the show is you can look at it as things happening to you, these obstacles, these challenges, or things that happen for you. And if you look at it, that it's just another layer. It's another season in your life that you can use it to your advantage. And I say that because I'm I'm a product of of uh, Norman Vincent Peale. I believe in the power of positive thinking. I just believe that when you act and behave a certain way and you control your world, your environment, um, you, you begin now not only to live your life as a, I guess, as a self-fulfilling prophecy, but you start to impact and influence other people, which is really why I'm in the game I'm in. Like we do what we do as a speaker, as an author, as a podcast, because you want to extend the influence. So. I think, you know, resiliency is really tough for a lot of people that really are dealing with major problems and certainly 2020, the, the, you know, the show that we had to deal with there. But I think people that just think mentally, we're going to be fine and this is going to be an opportunity for me to grow and get better, you know, not taking it lightly. People have lost, you know, jobs and lives and all that, but I think you can use this as an opportunity to say, I'm going to enrich my life and I think I can impact and influence other people. And I would assume knowing a lot about Dale Carnegie Training, everybody that works for that organization, they all have some crappy days from time to time, but they're out there really making people feel great. And they're really developing themselves with the the infrastructure you guys have put into place, right?
2: That's right. I mean, we do the very best we can. And at the end of the day, just like you said, you know, everyone's got crappy days, challenges, I mean, so forth. So the opportunity, the challenge is to pick ourselves up when that happens you know, and and going back to your point about influencing other people, you you can't give what you don't have, you know, right. So if, if I want to try to, if I'm a leader and I'm trying to build a team and I'm trying to strengthen my team, I can't do that effectively. If, if I'm just consumed with my own bad day and negative thinking and so forth. So, so if I want to give people confidence, I've got to be confident myself. If I want to help people, solve problems and help us get better results, I, I've got to create the environment that supports that. Yeah, And, you know, and, and just to go back to, I, I think something that I think either you, Jim, or, or, or Brandt, had said is, um, and th- there's a great line, you talked about things happen for you. And that's a choice of how you see it. I, I can't remember who had said uh, there's this, this concept of the inverse paranoid. So the paranoid thinks that the world is out to get him or her. Um, the inverse paranoid thinks that that the world's out to help him or her. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, the, but the difference that one one's life in all the relationships and how I interact with people, if I'm a paranoid versus an inverse paranoid, two completely different lives, right? Mm. And and that's really, you know, where and it's hard, but but we can develop the habits of, and it's not just you know sometimes positive thinking people kind of. Will will uh, minimize that and say, "Oh, I just you know, uh, you know, looking at the uh, rosy glasses or whatever." But but it's really not. It really is because we find that the most effective people, the most successful people, the most the strongest people are those who choose to see things as opportunity. It's not to overlook the the, the bad things or the things that right. are not working, um, but it, it, it's to look at those things and say, "I'm not going to be conquered by these things." these things, I'm going to conquer these things. And if this doesn't work out the way that I want it to, what can I learn from this? And let's
1: keep on moving forward. It's a perfect analogy. When I was, uh, again, doing some of the training that I did with uh, Stephen Covey's organization at Hard Rock. And I just remembered this whole mindset of stimulus and response. And I'd always heard that when I was in high school, a little bit in college as well. But to know that there's always a space between the two, when something happens, Either we all act and behave exactly the same, which is what a lot of the animal kingdom does, or we have, you know, we we have a brain, we're humans, where there's a moment and it could be a, a split second or you've got a little bit more time. And so, you know, you think about when people cut you off in traffic, you know. So somebody's going to do something different. Either you'll slow down and you're just going to chill out and you put on the radio, or it's road rage and you're flipping people off and cussing and whatever. But either we all do it exactly the same. Why is everybody? At at why are we all stared at? Brand? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just I remember, no matter what's going to happen to me, I know that I have the ability to choose. My life is not dictated to me, which is basically what you just said, Joe. And I just think that mental. Attitude is, uh, boy, if, if more people could think like that, we'd be in a much different place, I think, as a society. And it probably sets up perfectly with our thought from the great Lou
0: Holtz. Brant, what was our thought that rocks? Just so you know, it's why I put a follow me to church sticker on the back of my car. Is so. that why you do <laughs> help me, Help me curb that behavior. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, our thought from Lou Holtz this week is this
1: Thoughts that rock number two.
0: Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do, and attitude determines how well you do it. Love it. And I just feel like it was such a complimentary thought um, uh, to to Dale Carnegie's thought. But but the idea here for me was there's a difference between ability, motivation, and attitude, mm-hmm. and you can't approach all three the same way. And and I think that I, I just I guess I'm curious, Joe, when you guys come in and you do your work. Those are things that you sort of have to separate, right? Because uh, ability is one thing, motivation, something completely different. Um, and then the attitude is is really a third component of someone being able to perform at their best. How do you guys tackle that?
2: Yeah, we, we tackle it. And actually, we tackle it in a different way, I think, than, than most other uh, training companies. Because I think a lot of people are focused on um, behavior change and performance change. And that's good, right? So we, we yeah. want to change our behavior to get higher performance, but but a lot of companies just, that's where they focus. They focus on, let's focus on the techniques. If you do these things, you're going to get these results, but they haven't focused on that emotional change up front, and that's the attitude. So you can tell someone all day long what they can do and, and so forth, but until they own it, especially as adults, I mean, we really have to want to do it. So, so we start with that third thing you just talked about, the attitude determines how well you do it. We work on helping people have those epiphanies, and have, on on looking at what's important to them, on working on their attitudes. So a lot of people will take a Dale Carnegie program, they come out of it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I see things completely differently." And and that's exactly what we want. We want them to see things differently, to desire to do things differently, to have that attitude change and emotional change. And that's why, you know, it's it's incredible, uh, you know, just if I'm going to toot the Dale Carnegie horn for a, a mm. second you know um, there's not too many products i can think of that we buy that people talk about 10 20 30 40 years later but if you ask warren buffett you know about the dale carnegie course he took you know 60 years ago he'll say it was one of the most important things he ever did and that's and i awesome. think part of what that does is because the dale carnegie programs that we teach are about breakthroughs and and really huge personal growth whether it's individual or teams and companies and and that starts with that's why i love your your thought Um, because ability is what you're capable of doing. People have, may have a great ability. Motivation determines what you do. Well, maybe I feel like make doing this or don't, but then attitude really determines how I'm going to do it. Am I really going to, you know, do, do the things I have to do? Am I going to put the work in and so forth? And that, that is the X factor. Attitude is the X factor that until we have that, really everything else is, is, you know,
1: pushing a rock, so to speak. Well, and I think Lou Holtz, who, you know, he's amazing. He's here in central Florida where we're based. So I, i not only had a chance to meet him a couple of times, we've hired him before to, to speak at our organization. He uses this exact concept and he goes, listen, I'm exposed to tons of talented players with awesome ability and everybody wants to go work for, you know, or or play for Notre Dame at that time when he was talking about this, but their attitude gets in the way, you know, he goes, I, I, if they want ultimate long, term success, I can help them. Their ability is going to be very short term. And even the great um, John Wooden, who basically said, you know, I, I'm all about developing men, not, not helping professional basketball players. I mean, he did both, but people will swear back on, on people like this. Like you talk about Dale Carnegie saying they made a difference and it wasn't just because of somebody's ability. It really was. It goes back to, you know, Carnegie's thought, which is, it's about the that mental, Ability that 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 is the secret sauce, the X factor, like you like to say. And and even saying the word motivation, that reminds me, Brand, you came up with this great um, I don't remember where you discovered it, but the difference between motivation and inspiration. Share that real quick as to the, the difference between those two.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's important too because because attitude, I believe, is internal. It comes from, from internal things, but people uh, confuse motivation and inspiration all the time. Um, motivation is internal, it comes from inside. Uh, inspiration is external, it comes from outside. And so, when you understand that, um, if you try to use inspiration, to drive your commitment to something, uh, it can be fleeting because it's like it's the quintessential I'm going on this missions trip, uh, and I'm going to spend two weeks in this place where there's no running water and it's going to change my whole perspective in life. And you come back and you're like, have this new devotion, and six weeks go by, and you're like, I can't even remember where we went to, right? It's it, it, and that's because. It was incredibly powerful inspiration in that moment, but you didn't internalize it enough for it to become motivation that actually guides your behavior and, and, and results. But I come back to attitude because even with the, with the proper motivation, how you go about it, that attitude, um, really is going to determine the, the level of success, um, in addition to what everybody, it's the perception that everybody sees because motivation is internal in that way, mm-hmm. but that attitude is external and it's what everybody is is watching. And so I, I just, I love this I, I quote. I love how it ties in. Is that sort of what, when you're working with leaders, Joe, is that sort of what you want them to really sort of understand that even if they have the, the proper motivation, it's really the attitude that is going to sort of, set the bar, if you will, um, among the leadership team.
2: Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. And it it is that attitude. I mean, the motivation is important. By the way, I love the distinction you made between inspiration and motivation. Uh, It's it's a really important distinction. Um, But the attitude is that it's, you know, you think about it, attitude goes down to hardwiring. Attitude, everything's going to come back to how I ultimately respond and how I, I mean, I could be motivated to do something, but the question is, do I believe I can do it? Yeah. Um, you know, or, or am I afraid to do it? I mean, what are the things that hold me back? And those things go to our attitudes. Someone's got an attitude that says, look, you know, I, um, I, I can't fail. Right. I mean, because even if I, if I don't achieve the result that I want, I'm going to learn something, I'm going to get better and I'm going to grow. So if that, that's an attitude that's going to guide things. So, so even though I may be motivated to do something, if I have the wrong attitude, that motivation, I mean, you, the, the attitude just, just it could, pour water on it really you sure. could, could put the flame out but but if i've got the right attitude and the right belief
1: um you know i, I can overcome almost anything you lost me at no running water <laughs> i checked out a long, <laughs> long time ago hey joe what um on the podcast that you guys are now doing i know that you just launched that can you tell our audience what is the format like what is what is that about
2: yeah so the uh, the podcast is uh Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast, and we interview uh, leaders, usually pretty prominent uh, people who've had, and the goal of this is really to learn from their experiences. But you know, we seek to find people who are not just really extraordinarily successful, people who are also inspirational leaders. They are operating from a place of authenticity and integrity. So uh, the first person we had on, on the show was Alan Mulally, who's the former CEO of Boeing and Ford Motor Company. I think, if not the greatest, one of the the greatest leaders of our our time, Um, someone who came in and transformed Ford right at a time that they were headed uh, toward bankruptcy, and he did it with this view about getting people to work together in culture. So, in the show, we we actually we talked to Alan a lot about that. Um, You know, we talked to uh, Alan Gorsky, Alex Gorsky, who's the CEO of Johnson and Johnson, about um, what is it? How do you create a culture? that enables the, your, your company to innovate and be creative in a, a very uh, short period of time. And we've to talk to them right before they launched the vaccine. Um, you know, so we've, we've got just a, a world of people that we talk to. But but the goal really is, what can we learn from these people? What are some hacks, if you will? If We, we often will ask them, you've got your kind of thoughts that rock question. One question we often ask is, you know, if you were to go back and talk to yourself, at 20, what would you tell yourself? What, what, did you, what have you learned? And be, Because a lot of the people who listen to the podcast are, um, you know, they're aspiring, they're moving up in their careers, they're looking for just kind of what's that that thing that's going to help me, that X factor, so to speak, that will help me um, become a even more
1: effective leader. Well, you're speaking our language, man. We we really do love the work that you're doing. You know, I'm a big fan of Mariah, as we talked about at the top of the show, and I was just fortunate at least to touch base with you a few months ago, and, and we're just happy that you were able to spend a little bit of time with us. Where can people stay connected to you or at least learn a little bit more about Dale Carnegie Training?
2: Sure. Well, thank you for asking. And again, it's it's a thrill to be with you both, and Mariah is a huge fan of yours, and, and I am too, so thanks for all the great work that
1: you're doing. Uh,
2: they, Brent, so Brent, he was talking
0: to me just, saying, uh, yeah, I could, it's yeah. obvious. Joe directed that
1: at me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe, go ahead.
2: So uh, it's uh dalecarnegie.com, www.dalecarnegie.com. We also have, I um, you can go to the, uh, uh, if you type uh, Dale Carnegie take command podcast, it'll take you right to our, our podcast. You can listen to that on, on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, certainly you can follow me on uh, Twitter, or uh, LinkedIn, which is uh, Joseph K. Hart. Uh, I couldn't get Joe Hart, so I've got Joseph K. Hart <laughs> on both of those, but um, yeah, thank you for asking, and certainly we would, I mean, I'd love to continue to be uh, connected to you both and, and uh, really impressed with the work that you're doing, and, and thank you for your contribution to um, really helping people be more inspirational leaders.
1: Wow! Oh, thanks. Well, that—that's the jam. I mean, we love doing it, but honestly, we're just following in in coattails of—we um, all are—with Dale Carnegie. Truth. So, truth. Thank you. And if uh, if you want Joe Hart, I own that, so I can <laughs> I can sell that back to you if you want. <laughs> really, we were we were very fortunate that you spent some time with us, and uh, we look forward to just watching your journey down the road. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks Rock sure. on. Sounds good.
0: Hey, rock stars, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode.
1: Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at ThoughtStatRock.com. Until next
0: time, rock, rock on. on.